This is Bigger Pockets Daily, expert advice for real estate investors. If you like what you hear, check out biggerpockets.com. I think you'll find a warm, welcoming community, a wealth of data to help you make the best decisions, and calculators to help you analyze deals. We make the blog articles available on this show so you can absorb the information while you're organizing the garage or remodeling your bathroom on this Saturday. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. How Much Should You Save for Retirement? by G. Brian Davis In the 20th century model of retirement, people saved a nest egg over the course of a 40- or 50-year career. Then they gradually spent down that nest egg in retirement and hoped they didn't run out of money before they died. Superannuation in finance parlance. The model raises several questions, none more glaring than, how much should I save for retirement? But for those who think outside the box, it also makes you wonder, what if I want to retire young? How does it change the math? And how can you reach financial independence early? As you start planning your financial endgame, regardless of your current age, consider the following your five-minute crash course in retirement planning. Safe withdrawal rates for paper assets. The old model for retirement planning generally stuck to paper assets, such as stocks and bonds. Over time, retirees sold off their portfolio of assets in order to fund their living expenses which begs the question of how much of your portfolio you can safely sell off each year, referred to by financial planners as a safe withdrawal rate. Back in the 1990s, financial planner Bill Bangan reviewed how stocks and bonds performed over the last century and determined that a withdrawal rate of 4% of your portfolio would have consistently left your nest egg intact 
for at least 30 years of retirement. Thus, the 4% rule was born. To clarify, that's 4% of your nest egg in the first year of retirement, followed by a small cost-of-living adjustment each year thereafter to keep pace with inflation. Not 4% of your portfolio's current balance in any given year. You can invert that math to come up with a target for your retirement savings. By multiplying your target annual retirement income by 25, you can calculate how much you need to save if you plan to follow the 4% rule. For example, if you want to withdraw $40,000 per year from your nest egg to cover living expenses, you need $1 million. 4% of $1 million is $40,000. Find it disheartening that a $1 million retirement only yields $40,000 of annual income? I do. Fortunately, you're not limited to paper assets. Sources of forever income. I don't like the idea of my net worth shrinking. The fear of running out of money before I kick the bucket. Besides, I want to create generational wealth that leaves my descendants moneyed in perpetuity. If you don't want to spend down your nest egg in retirement, you need sources of ongoing passive income, what I call forever income rental properties. Rental properties generate ongoing income with no need to sell off the underlying assets. But that's only one of the many ways rentals can boost your retirement. Landlords can raise the rent each year to keep pace with inflation, so the returns automatically adjust for inflation over time. Rental properties come with tax advantages, such as a wealth of deductions and even paper losses, like depreciation. You can leverage other people's money to buy them. Then your tenants pay off your mortgage for you. For that matter, leverage accelerates your cash flow growth over time. Your mortgage payment remains fixed even as your rental income grows each year as rents rise. Of course, rentals come with their own downsides, such as high barriers to entry, high labor required both on the acquisition side and the ongoing management side, and risks, such as property damage, bad tenants, unpaid rents, future regulatory changes, such as eviction moratoriums, and lawsuits. So while they can play an important role in your retirement planning, they shouldn't form your only source of income. Dividends. Some equities pay dividends, ongoing income to shareholders. Most people think of stocks when they hear the word dividends, and they too should play a role. Although stocks aren't the only type of equity that pay dividends. Real estate investment trusts, REITs, pay high dividends. By law, they must pay shareholders 90% of their annual profits in dividends, which means high yields but limited opportunity for growth. Many real estate crowdfunding platforms also pay strong dividends. They fall under less regulation than publicly traded REITs and have greater flexibility to reinvest profits into buying more properties to grow their share prices. For reliable dividend payments from stocks, look at buying shares in dividend aristocrat funds or stocks with a decades-long track record of paying out high dividend yields. But don't stop at large-cap U.S. stocks. Aim to diversify with low- and mid-cap stocks and funds, along with international equity funds for greater safety and potentially higher returns. Bonds. Bonds are loans issued by either a government or a corporation. They pay a set interest rate for a set term, and at the end of the term, the bond matures and you get your principal investment back. Because of this fixed, preset nature, investors often refer to them as fixed income investments. 
Historically, investors have viewed bonds as safer investments than stocks. They're certainly less volatile, but they come with two enormous downsides. First, they've paid weak returns in the 21st century, as central banks have held interest rates low. Second, the returns get diluted by inflation. Imagine you buy a bond paying 3% with a one-year maturity. But over the course of that year, inflation runs at 2%. So your net return at the end of the year is only 1%. Not exactly a path to building great wealth. Still, bonds do offer ongoing income, and the only loss in value comes from inflation, or if you sell the bonds. You can theoretically buy and hold bonds and live off the interest. And when they mature, you can reinvest the principal. Just know that the value of that principle diminishes each passing year along with inflation. Start a business. Part of my retirement plan includes my business. At the moment, it still requires full-time work from me to grow and build. But the day will come when I gradually write myself out of the business plan, hiring people to take on most or even all of the tasks I perform currently. I can be as involved or removed as I like. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Like every asset listed above, it requires investment. Investment of money, but also a significant investment of time, which paper assets don't require. The wealthiest people in the world aren't doctors or lawyers. They're entrepreneurs. But starting a business comes with high risk and an enormous amount of work, with no guarantee of success. Quite the opposite, roughly half of businesses fail within the first five years. Do it right, however, and starting your own business can generate income and wealth long after you stop working in the trenches every day. You can even start a fun, low-cost business after retiring to earn some money while staying busy and continuing to give back. A diversified model for financial independence. You can reach financial independence and retire at any age. If you start young and maintain a high savings rate, pumping much of your income into investments, my financial independence plan involves multiple prongs, including rental properties, stocks, indirect real estate investments such as crowdfunding, and my online business. I expect to earn roughly 40% of my post-fire income from rental properties, another 40% from stocks and crowdfunding investments, and the rest from my business. And, while not technically under the definition of financial independence, I plan to keep earning active income indefinitely. It doesn't have to be high-intensity work. I might write novels or pour wines at a local winery or host a bed and breakfast. I'll probably keep freelance writing forever, since it's fun, and I can do it on my own schedule. Because as you approach financial independence, you can work on your own terms, doing what you love. Sample retirement numbers. Getting creative. Leslie wants to retire at 45 with $60,000 in annual income. How much does she need? Let's say $10,000 of that will come from stocks, whether she buys stock funds with the 3.5% yield or uses a withdrawal rate of 3.5%, which historically would mean an ever-growing portfolio. That means she needs $285,714 in stock assets. 100% over 3.5% equals 28.5714. She wants another $10,000 from her real estate crowdfunding investments, which earn an average of a 6% yield. To account for the risk of default, she drops that expected yield to 5%, which means she needs $200,000 to generate $10,000 in reliable annual income. 
Leslie gets more aggressive with her rental investments and wants $25,000 per year in net rental income. Using the Burr method, she gets to largely recycle the same funds repeatedly to build her portfolio, putting the same $100,000 to use again and again. But it means high leverage and low cash flow from each property, so she ends up with 10 rentals, each generating $2,500 per year in net income. That leaves $15,000 in remaining income, which she earns through her online business and occasional freelance work. Work that she does as much or as little as she likes. And she ends up continuing to earn more than she spends to keep growing her net worth. All in all, she invested $585,714, gets to work on her own terms, and live anywhere in the world. Final thoughts. The less you spend the less you need to save and invest for retirement. Think of it this way. If you follow the 4% rule, then for every $1 you want to spend in retirement, you need to save $25. It puts your living expenses into perspective. If you spend $1,000 a year on your cable TV bill, $83.33 a month, that right there constitutes $25,000 you need to save and invest for retirement. Is cable TV worth an extra twenty-five grand in slaving and saving? Cable TV makes an easy example of the trivial things we blow money on. But the real potential for saving money and living on less come from just a few large expenses. Historically, Americans spend roughly two-thirds of their income on just three costs, housing, transportation, and food. As you plan for retirement, consider downsizing, house hacking, or otherwise reducing your housing expenses first and foremost, then look to get rid of at least one car and ideally all of them. My family lives without a car, walking and biking nearly everywhere and taking an Uber when we need to go further afield. Spend less, save more, earn more. Reach financial independence faster. All right, that's it for this show. But remember... We have a whole library of episodes with timeless information about how to grow your real estate portfolio so you can enjoy the life you were meant to live. Just tap all episodes in your podcast app or scroll back in the feed to check out an older but still evergreen show. Otherwise, dear listener, until tomorrow.